It's time for Conversations with MIT Medical, care for the community. Here's your host, Melanie Cole. Welcome to Conversations with MIT Medical. I'm Melanie Cole and I invite you to listen as we discuss digital detox and self-care. Joining me is Dr. Niels Rosenquist. He's a psychiatrist and economist who works at MIT Student Mental Health and Counseling Services and Massachusetts General Hospital. Dr. Rosenquist, it is a pleasure to have you with us, and I just love your first name, Niels. That's just fun to say. As we get going here, Dr. Rosenquist, what is digital detox, and why is this topic so important, so relevant for all of us right now? Melanie, thank you for that introduction. It's very nice to meet you. It's actually funny that my name, Niels, is something I had difficulty with at an early age because my father named me after a Danish physicist. And at the time, the children in my class had no idea about the name Niels. But I venture to guess that many people at MIT have heard the name Niels. And when I joined MIT Mental Health and Student Counseling, the name Niels at MIT.edu was available. And I made sure that I jumped on it because for a dork like me, that's one of the very coolest things you can have. But to your question, Melanie, digital detox is a very important thing. And this is why. We are spending an increasing portion of our life or lives online, whether that's in the context of doing our work on the ubiquitous Zoom calls, on social media, and in the context of a pandemic that has been brought up to 11, as it were. So we are now currently spending a higher proportion of our life looking at screens, which I would venture to say is the biggest change in our cognition and perception over the course of human history. And all of this has occurred just over the last 10 years. So as you can imagine, that makes a lot of changes, both in our society and in ourselves. Well, it certainly does. And I love the 11 reference. That was awesome. So Tell us what the evidence suggests about the harms of social media and technology right now. As as a parent, I have two teens, so I see what it does to them. But as a regular person, I see me and all my friends and people that I know, and I'm sure in the MIT community, it's just absolutely addicting, overwhelming. It can be depressing. It can change your mood in a matter of seconds. What does the evidence say about this? Well, I think you're touching on a lot of concerns that a lot of people have. As a parent myself with children who are younger at the age of five and eight, I worry about what kind of world are they growing into with regards to technology. And at the same time, I caution myself because I remembered when I was a child back in the 70s and and 80s, there was a lot of concern about television. And then there was concern about video games or music lyrics as all having these negative impacts on particularly the young, but throughout society in general. And so one of the questions has been, well, are we just overdoing it? Are documentaries like The Social Dilemma and other things overstating the case without much evidence? And the question of what is harmful is tricky. It's very difficult to assess when impacts might occur over months to years or even decades. And yet technologies such as Facebook and the ubiquitous cell phones that we can log into from anywhere have only been around in combination for less than a decade. So one can imagine that if we studied the link between cigarettes and lung cancer within 10 years of it being introduced in the United States in the early 20th century, we might very well not have seen an effect. 
And it's not because it wasn't harmful, it just it takes time for these effects to occur. Now, with that being said, there has been early evidence of harms. And when I speak to harms, I'm speaking about clinical depression and other symptoms of things like anxiety. Studies that have shown the strongest effects tend to be for people who are what you might refer to as heavy users, people who are on platforms more than three hours a day, or the person who's constantly checking their device to see if anyone liked their Instagram post or sent them something on Snapchat or TikTok or something like that. Those people who are heavy users have shown stronger sets of symptoms, such as depression and anxiety, and I'm focusing on the young here. But also, there has been seemed to be a stronger effect in girls. So the effects of social media heavy usage on girls tend to be a little bit higher, although they're also definitely present in boys in the studies. The TLDR, as it were, for this is that there is some evidence it is not yet overwhelming, but the likely explanation for it, if it were not overwhelming, is that we just haven't, it hasn't been around long enough yet. I hear you there. And I know so many people that do just exactly what you're saying. So should MIT students worry about these effects of their technology use on their mental health? Because right now, as we're checking the news, as you say, and we want to know what's going on in the world, and we don't want to know in some ways, but we want to hear about the virus, if there's anything that's changed. And for MIT students and the community, they're they're using this for social relationships. And in this pandemic where we are social distancing, they're also using it for research and to pursue their studies. So how does this all tie together? And really, what would you like us to know about this effect and what it's doing to our mental health? Those are great questions. It's a real challenge to try and and restrict the usage of technology, broadly speaking. If somebody wants to go on a diet, it's hard enough if you're trying to restrict yourself from alcohol and all your friends usually go out to the bar, it's a big challenge. And so how do you balance all those things out? And certainly there's not a one-size-fits-all answer to that question. I think people differ. Some people can just snap their fingers and say, okay, I'm just going to restrict my calorie consumption for the next month and they can do it. For those kinds of people, some simple solutions such as leaving the cell phone out of your room at night when it can affect your sleep, which has a huge impact on mental health. To other people who just say, okay, I'm going to limit my usage to an hour a day of social media down from two hours. And people can check on their iOS or Android devices, those things on a daily basis, the quantified self as it were, so controlling yourself. For other people, it requires a, a more comprehensive framework, a kind of restriction where as much as you want to check the news, you limit your usage to five minutes a day. And either there are programs that will limit which websites you can go to or how much you can use them, or you can have friends or other people restrict you. It's a little bit like checking into rehab. I founded a nonprofit for free program called the Orpheus Pledge, which is at orpheuspledge.org that anyone can go to where you download a PDF file and print it out. And you do the program offline, where you set up your own restrictions and your own goals, either with yourself and other people. These are a number of the ways in which people can do things to help reduce the impact of social media and other technologies on their lives. And a final point I would make is some people aren't affected. Some people are very easily can adapt to this environment because they just aren't 
as easily sucked into the rabbit hole or aren't easily as affected by whatever public figures might be tweeting within the last five minutes and can narrowly focus in on what's going on. For those individuals, there might not need to be any particular steps taken. But in general, I think that these are things that will be useful to most people. Rabbit hole is right. I mean, you you hit it right there. So what can we do to change those habits you just mentioned? Contracts, ways we can do things offline, even good old-fashioned pen to paper. However, as we still need to have this, I'd like you to briefly wrap up for us with self-care, with unplugging, with pulling back from it just a little, this digital detox, so that we can move forward, we can be more productive, we can do the things that we have to do without all of the distractions, because it really does make us multitask in a way that we maybe didn't even expect when you're checking Twitter every two seconds, or going on Facebook, or I personally love TikTok for a good laugh. But I will say that it does take you away from the center that you need to be. So give us some advice on self-care, on digital detox, and how we can unplug and really be our best selves at this time. It's a great question and really encompasses so much. We need to take care of ourselves and all of the environmental influences on us and our mental health, particularly at this fragile moment in our history when we're all suffering the stress of the pandemic and the various academic stressors, in particular at a place like MIT. When we think about self-care for devices, I think the important thing is to consider in a broad sense, what is our relationship with this technology? What does it provide to us? What is it seeking to be to us? Is it the sole way in which we connect with other people and are there other ways to do it in real life? Are there other ways to be entertained in a way that's more consistent, watching a bunch of The Queen's Gambit rather than trying to scroll through YouTube, which uses up a lot of our cognitive bandwidth and attention. It just exhausts our minds jumping to here and there. I mentioned the answer to the previous question, a lot of potential ways in which you could take small steps or bigger ones to reduce usage, but globally, just to think about how this is affecting you. And this is really important for the MIT community. And I know that all of my colleagues at the MIT Mental Health and Counseling Center want you to know that if you're experiencing symptoms of depression, or you're feeling hopeless, or you just feel that you're lethargic or can't get work done, that's completely understandable, particularly at this point in time, and we're there to help. So if you are starting to feel these sort of things in relation to technology or anything else, please do reach out to us because we really want to help you and achieve all that you can achieve at MIT. Wow, Dr. Rosenquist, thank you so much. What great information that we really all could use right now. We all need that self-care. We have to put on our own masks, as it were, before we can take care of those that we love and get the things done that we need to focus on. Thank you for coming on and telling us about digital detox and how important it is right now. For more information on MIT Student Mental Health and Counseling Services, please visit our website at medical.mit.edu slash mental health. And that concludes this episode of Conversations with MIT Medical. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other MIT Medical podcasts. Until next time, stay safe. I'm Melanie Cole.